I'm Jay Pitts, a real estate broker, agent, leader, and investor. For the last decade, I've navigated the craziest of real estate markets this country has ever seen, selling over 2,000 homes, moving in and out of markets, always ahead of the curve. And now I'm bringing that perspective to you. This is your resource, and Real Talk About Real Estate starts right now. And we're back, folks, and I couldn't be happier to introduce you to today's guest, uh, a gentleman who I've been following in my career for quite some time. I think originally saw him speak at Remax's R4 convention circa 2009-ish uh, with his, his Hallmark uh, Red Nikes on stage speaking before you know all the Remax faithful there. He was founder of... You know, an agent publication kind of in the dawn of the internet era called Tech Savvy Agent, also founder, co-founder, I should say, at Curator, a digital marketing agency whom I happen to be a client of uh, that has represents 800 customers, 70 employees in two offices, uh, Boston and Orlando. Also a best-selling author. I could go on and on. The Conversion Code and People Work. Chris Smith is our guest. Chris, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. I love the uh, the dawn of the internet era. That was great. Well, I, I you know I guess I'm a little facetious there, but you know internet marketing, uh, you know internet marketing is something that hasn't been around forever. And you know agents like myself and Gabe and you know people that we run in circles with, we tried to stay on the forefront and certainly. You know, with things that you guys have done, content that you've produced, you've helped me in my career and, and lots of agents like me stay in the forefront. And I think kind of that, that kind of all starts with something like Tech Savvy Agent. So I guess that's my, my, my first question, Chris. I know a, a little bit, and our listeners probably know quite a bit as well, about how you got started in the space. I know, um, but why don't, you, why don't you maybe lay out for us, what is it that intrigued you about this you know, this industry and, you know, digital marketing in, in general? Yeah, I think it, it's probably what you said, which is there was, there's a small group of you guys that are really trying to keep up with it, but that's, that's, that's the truth. It's a small group that's even trying, you know, what I saw when I got into the industry was people that couldn't even remember their AOL password. <laughs> and I, mean, yeah. I mean, I saw people that were using uh, internet Explorer version five instead yeah. of Google Chrome version 30. And so I think my uh, my perception was what you said. You know, there was this small little group that uh, definitely seemed to get it and care and want to, and a, a, a large group that did not. It's funny, when I started Tech Savvy Agent, this is kind of a little insider scoop. When I was running the ads, if I would say, are you tech savvy? Uh, they they wouldn't do that good because the answer in people's mind was no. And so what I had to do is I had to say, are you tech savvy or would you like to be? Yeah. <laughs> oh, join our community. So it was like night and day if you added, would you like to be? So that was what I recognized very early was that, uh, you know, I'm not a developer or a coder. I'm a digital native who's real good with, you know, phones and apps and navigating the social and consumer web, you know? And so I just realized, like, there's probably an opportunity here to actually help people 
you don't really need a lot of hype. You just can really help with the stuff that's really important, and you don't have to do the whole dog and pony smoke and mirrors that I think the industry had gotten used to. So help, not hype. I guess that's kind of where where that came. You know, it's funny that I, I. I've had the opportunity, Chris, you know, to be around you a little bit, be around, you know, people like Tom Ferry, um, recently a little bit more with Gary Vaynerchuk with Agent 2021. You and I talked a little bit offline about both of us being there at that particular event. But the thing, the thing that I've, I've noticed about folks like yourself that, that have a platform and an audience and, and a loyal following is, you know, these, these ideas become very much ingrained and, and, um, you know, I noticed the same word tracks. You know, you, I know you're, you're, you're also a very accomplished salesperson having written, written a book about sales. Um, you know, but, but the idea is they, they read so authentic, you know, help not hype, digital native. These are things that I'm sure you say quite often, but they're, they're very native to who you are. Um, what, what do you think about your experiences and, and dealing with agents and helping salespeople, teaching them how to market? What, what kind of brings you to that place? Um, and, and talking about tech savvy agent, like digital marketing was, marketing was an opportunity to help. Um, but what kind of mileage have you seen? Where have you seen the agent, the, the industry, I should say, progress to? Yeah. Well, let me start with like my, my, self-indulgent reasons for helping because I had an agenda. I think, I, I think I, I went into using social wanting it to help my business. I, I, I was always clear that I was like using social for business. You know, I didn't ever really have any questions about what to post because I wasn't really using it in a, in a real personal way. I kind of used it for business out of the gates, but the, the reason I felt the need to help from a self-indulgent perspective was top producer was a pretty complicated system. Yes, it was. And there was a 30-day money-back guarantee. And so if people canceled after I left, if I got them all hyped up, right, and they bought, and then three weeks later, they couldn't figure out which button to press and they canceled, <laughs> I still didn't get paid. Right. So the, the, I would schedule a one-on-one walkthrough with every person that basically bought so that they didn't, you know, kind of never use it. You know what I'm saying? As you guys yeah. know, you go to a trade show, you go to a mastermind, you get a couple recommendations from your peers, and now you've got seven new logins. <laughs> but you don't have seven new hours. No. Day, you know what I mean? So it, it, it's very challenging. So. Anyway, the, the, the talk track, you know, to speak to that, you know, when I listen to Dave Ramsey, when I listen to the, the people that have kind of gotten through to me, whether that's Eric Thomas or Gary Vaynerchuk or whoever it may be that kind of, uh, you know, really gets to you and you re- resonates with you, they give the same advice over and over. Yes, they do. And they just say it almost the same. And it's actually so that you'll remember it. Now, thankfully, you know, as someone that's teaching marketing, teaching Facebook, like I've got two live streams and, you know, two vlogs a month, every month with sort of new tactical ideas. But I do think that you want to understand what your principles and philosophies are that drive those 
tactics and ideas, right? Yeah. And so I think if help not hype is where you start, you're not going to put out bad articles because you're like it wouldn't be on brand to put out content that wasn't helpful. And, you know, it doesn't mean it can't be shiny and pretty, but ultimately we start with it. Does this video? Does this book? Does this article? Does this podcast help people? You know, thank you economy style, yeah. right? Not is this going to help us get leads? Is this going to help us grow? I think uh, you know KW. They have a saying, you know, that if you come from contribution, hmm. you, you'll be okay. You know, and I do really truly believe that. You know, the by the way, when I started blogging and using social, I was already making good money. I wasn't like. If I can get all my friends to buy, you know, hair products and makeup, I'll <laughs> get a side gig. I was good. You know what I mean? I didn't need the internet to pay my mortgage or pay my bills. So I think if you have that luxury, if you're Dustin Oldfather, who's there with you now, if you're Jay Pitt, who's doing pretty damn good for himself, play the brand a little bit. Play the longer game a little bit. Like, Take advantage of the fact that you're not desperate and most people are. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree, Chris. And, and so a little bit of a pivot, and I appreciate what you said there um, because you, you brought a few things to mind. So coming back from Agent 2021 in Miami, you know, I you know, did something that I think I've seen Curator do as well, and you can, you can, you can speak to this in just a minute. You know, we as, as you know, salespeople and marketers – we know that there are different types of marketing, right? Um, and and I think a lot of us with the advent of Zillow and you know Realtor.com and the ability to capture leads, quote unquote leads, um, for buying and selling real estate, we've gotten into this you know direct response marketing world. Like, how do we tweak? How do we move? You know, this knob. You know, turn this knob. It's, it's almost like opening a safe. Like, what is the what is the code to generating an optimal amount of leads? You even talked about conversion of those types of leads and in, in the conversion code. Um, but I came away hearing from Gary V that now is the age of brand engagement for real estate professionals. And so we went heavy into content production. As soon as we got back, um, it wasn't, it wasn't a novel idea. It's just like, it really set, set in for me there that I, if I don't do these things, I do them at my own peril. Um, specifically, you know, as we sit here and talk on a podcast, Gary says, that one agent in each major market has the opportunity to dominate podcasting and and substantially impact their business. I know you have calls with Chris. I know you guys have syndicated a lot of your content through podcasting distribution. What is your what is your take on podcasting for real estate professionals? That's an interesting question. Um, you know, I was joking because we do we did our mastermind. You know, the morning after Gary's event. And I was trying to teach people step-by-step step how to do a swipe-up ad on Instagram. <laughs> and uh, and you actually do that on Facebook, which is already part of why it's confusing. And I, I remember Gary B's mom was there, mm-hmm. and uh, his sister his sister was there. And I, I kind of, as the room was all confused with, with the 18 steps it takes to run a swipe-up ad... <laughs> Uh, I kind of looked at her and said, see, this is what your son gets us into. <laughs> you know, <laughs> somebody's got to go back and teach this stuff. And so I think with, with podcasting, that's another one where I, I think what I love about Gary 
is he does something that I feel like I do as well, which is he kind of speaks in extreme because he knows people will naturally move back to the middle. Yeah. You know, he's very self-aware as am I that people won't really go say the stuff I say yeah. or say it the way I say it or do what the things I do. But if I can push you out of your comfort zone and say, if you don't have a podcast, you're going to die. Yeah. Then you might actually at least publish like two of them on anchor. Yeah. So yeah. It's like, it, it, so it's, it's sort of like you have to almost overcompensate uh, because you know people will naturally pull back to what they're comfortable doing. I think there's a tremendous opportunity to grow your brand and grow your business through audio, but let me give you a different spin on why. Like, the way human beings communicate is largely visual and audio. Body language is 55% of how we understand one another, and tone of voice is 38%. 7% is words. So that becomes really challenging to sort of like write your way into someone's heart. Mm-hmm. You know, like, because people read it and apply their tone. So that's why I'm actually all in on video first and foremost, because that gives me physiology, sure. that gives me audio and tone, plus my words. I feel like the, the least sort of buffer is video. But if I don't have video, I want audio because then I still have tone. You still sure. hear my tone as the words come out. And then we've kind of, I don't know what you would call this, kind of a, uh, I might i might come up with a new word on the flyer, but like almost like audio, you know, like mm. it, 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 it's B-roll, right? It's like audio. Yeah. It's like B-roll yeah. with audio where the audio is actually captured in a simple clean professional way but then when you do so much video you sort of end up with so much extra dough that you can turn a lot of the b-roll that doesn't make the final vlog into the background for the audio that started over on itunes now i've got it on instagram in a clip so like i just don't know that the words are as sort of fluid that way uh if you're just writing so i think yes if you've got the right voice and you've got something to say, but let me give you a challenge when you think about this, Jay, for you, not just for the people listening, for you sure, and the people listening. This is something Jimmy challenged me to do, and so did Tracy Weir, uh, one of my mentors when I worked at Inman News. He was the CMO at the time. You, you've got to ask yourself, what am I going to be excited about five years from today it's Hmm. not easy to answer most people's whole lives are different every five years and so like if you want to do a podcast for top producing real estate agents that love to geek out about strategies and tools you probably were doing that five years ago you probably will be doing it five years from now sure so you have to kind of challenge yourself like i could sell curator tomorrow and I still want to be heard on the topics of sales and marketing. I would still produce content. I would still put a blog out. I would still put out audio. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I don't know, man. I think a lot of people uh, are, should do more. That was really the big message here is yeah. you know, do, do Anchor and iTunes. 
would anchor introduce letting a guest come in, do that, turn that into a video and a caption and a bouncing wave, and then turn that into a transcription that you edit and then turn that into a tweet that you crop that you put back on, like create that vicious circle. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a beautiful place to be. Sure. Because what we're focused on now is, man, every orange has a lot of juice. If you're smart about it, you can go from a tweet to a post, to a video, to audio, to B-roll, to long form. Like the, you can really get creative right now with the different platforms and technologies that are, are easy to use. It's unreal. Absolutely. Well, and Chris, that's all, you know, extremely helpful insight, man. And I, I noticed that, like, you know, I find myself, you know, not having to, and I think Joe, Joe LoCicero and I were having this conversation a bit ago, you know, we don't have to go to every event to consume every piece of content um, that a particular, you know, uh, you know, influencer puts on because we get to consume their content in so many places um, already. But, you know, obviously there are the big A-list ones where we have to be because that's where news is broken. You know, what's, what's happening, what's next, etc. But, you know, for me, I will tell you that my, my objective when getting into podcasting was very, very clear. You know, we're for what, Gabe, 40, 40 some 40 episodes in now We're on the doorstep of 40 on yeah. the uh, right, almost 40 episodes in, um, you know, producing this podcast basically weekly. And, you know, I, I felt like I'm a broker owner. I'm a team leader. I've got 14 agents that I, I lead daily on my team. I've got, you know, another 20 in the brokerage, 25 in the brokerage growing like a weed. And I just felt like I had a voice. I had you know, the opportunity to coach and train and lead. Okay. But also I wanted to improve my platform to allow me to recruit other like-minded individuals. And if I could put my content in a place that could be consumed by people who were like-minded, they would gravitate toward me. You know, it also puts me in front of agents in other markets, potential referral business. I mean, this is, this is a business move, right? I like to educate, but this is a business. And all of those objectives have been achieved through podcasting. And I'm, I was just curious, honestly, because I see you guys, you do a phenomenal job of placing your content within reach of your intended audience. And I, I thought you'd have some valuable insight that, which, which you definitely did. Um, I think, I think, um, you know, there's, there's a lot that we can, we can talk about here. Um, you know, I do want to, I do want to get into Facebook um, because something rather timely, you know, we had Facebook, you know, founder and CEO Mark Zuckerberg testified before Congress last week a lot about privacy and things like that. And I know Curator, a big part of what you all do is you coach, you know, top producing real estate professionals how to engage their audience, just like we were discussing before, using Facebook. And so other than the fact that Zuckerberg was sitting on a stack of phone books <laughs> during the interview. Jay won't give that up. I won't give it up. I'm sorry. Um <laughs> I'd like to talk about your take on, you know, potential regulation. How does that affect? What are, what are we looking? What, what are we looking down the lens at um, in in the not too distant future as far as changes that may be made at Facebook? Yeah, I think one of the things that is, was blindingly clear during those couple of days was how out of touch and uneducated our government is about no how technology works. Yeah. Can't believe. I mean, it. it reminded me of how realtors were ten years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Some still, to, you know what I mean. Some it still, like these were the people asking uh, for their AOL passwords. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you know, it's funny because it's like, do you think the government or Google is smarter? 
It's, yeah. a, it's a question people should think about. Do you think you can trust Google or the government more? Like that that's what I think people started thinking. That's why Facebook stock went up by five percent in two days. Yeah. When it could have gone down by fifty, had that not gone well. You know what right. I mean? So I, I think the the future is it's important that people are protected. It's like we get that some of this stuff is creepy. And we get that we're giving away some info and that you know stuff about us that other people don't or that we may not want shared. I think we all fundamentally understand that. But it can go too far. Yeah. And I think what happens is when we, when we didn't know something was happening and it, when we find out what it was, it's like kind of like alarming. I, I do think that that is something that we should all be a fan of consumerism, right? We should all be a fan that, like, the consumer is protected from fraud, theft, d- data breaches. You know what I mean? Like, we should yeah. all be a fan of that. So if some additional fail-safes get put in place on that side, I'm a huge fan of that. And then on the specific, now this is what's crazy, on the specific side here, You've got third-party data from the census, from Axiom, from data providers that are literally, Facebook's like, okay, we're not going to let people use that data in the ad. You know, that this is a huge deal. Like, you never told Facebook if you owned a home. You never told Facebook your net worth. You never told Facebook, in a, you may have told them through your behavior, but you never told Facebook if you're super liberal or super conservative. You never told Facebook uh, that, you know, you actually have owned your home for more than five years and that your income right now is one forty nine 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 to two five oh. You know what I mean? Right. Like so th- so that's why it's called third party data, guys. Because you didn't tell them. That's why they had to go get a third party to give sure. it to them. So I, I think Facebook made the right decision ultimately. Instead of cutting the tail off a bunch of little time, they just cut it off up top. Yeah. We will not allow people to use third-party data in their ads. They've got stuff where if you walk into somebody's store, you start to see ads. If you call a certain phone number, you're going to start to see ads. So there's still a bunch of creepy options, okay? <laughs> yeah. But if, if it was, if it's creepy because they bought the info to make it creepy, that's going away, and it, it hurts a little bit. But I'll tell you what the future of the funnel is. The future of the funnel is the magic million, the wide part of the funnel, the top of the funnel, age, location, you know, education. That's stuff enough to do a top of the funnel anyway. The middle and the bottom of the funnel is not going to be better third-party data about them. It's going to be engagement. Did they watch the video? Did they listen to the podcast? Did they click on the last Instagram post? Like I I just built an entire funnel that I'll be sharing at our conference that doesn't go anywhere but from social network to social network. Like There's no destination. There's no links. It's just getting people to consume on the platform for the sake of building the audience to target at the bottom of the funnel. Hmm. 
So, so engagement and consumption and interaction will be the new filters that define the middle and the bottom of the funnel, not because the person has $2 million. You know what I mean? Definitely. Well, this is a perfect segue too, because I, w- I want to go ahead and do something that's that's a new piece of our show. We're doing a segment that's called Resource Office Hours, where our listeners are able to come to us with their questions and have them answered by uh, our guests like yourself. Uh, and this one is perfect. You may have already answered it, but I want to go to this question now that we've got from one of our listeners. Let's go ahead and play that question. Hi, this is Marcy. I'm in Louisville. My question is, as a real estate marketing professional, I'd like to know what I can do now to prepare when the day comes when Facebook marketing is dead. Hmm. Okay. So Chris, I want to get your take on this. Do you think that we're approaching a time when Facebook marketing will be dead, so to speak? No, that's not what I think at all. It makes me think of a blog post that everybody should read that Seth Godin wrote called bring me your dead stuff. Hmm. Like I, I would love you guys to go look up the articles about email marketing is dead. SEO is dead. Yeah. Pay-per-click is dead. Direct Having response. A in general is dead. Mail is dead. Should I keep going? I was, th- I was thinking of direct mail because I've heard Tom Ferry say, I don't know how many times, that he will exist in the space that people leave. And he uses typically direct mail as the example there. But um, if, if Facebook went away, there would be Instagram. There would be YouTube. There would be Twitter. There would be AdWords. There would be podcasting. There would be email marketing. Plus, there would be the thing that replaced Facebook. Absolutely. So, uh, I think the way that, you know, people should weatherproof their business against change is actually service. The, the, the best way to make sure that you don't go away when Facebook ads go away, if they were to, is to actually do a better job of what you already do. Hmm. Like, th- th- there is so much drag and friction and and sort of fat in people's business that needs trimming that I don't know why half of them do ads anyway. I wouldn't be worried about marketing if I was most of the people listening right now. Hmm. I would be worried about communication Service. and caring. Yeah. Because if you do a great job communicating and you do a great job caring, your service is your marketing. Like, Dustin, have you sent us anybody to work with us at Curator? Jay, oh, you ever give us a referral? Tons. You ever take a call from someone that was thinking about becoming a client? Like, us taking the best care of our clients possible is the best marketing strategy post-Facebook. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mean, that that's a that's an impactful point. And, you know, I think that um, we've seen – other major industry players over index. We're probably not going to get into it too much today, but Zillow themselves are working on their user experience. You know, Zillow's a major player. Um, you know, the the best the best type of marketing is great service. That's 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 for sure. Um, you're making your product work, Chris. I'll tell you a story, man, and I'm sure you've heard dozens of stories just like this, if not hundreds. I know you guys have. Uh, you know, I said at the at the opening of the show how many just how many clients you guys have. Something like 800 customers. Um, so uh, often, something we hear, and and I hope I don't strike a nerve with this particular comment, 
because I'm, I'm sure you hear this a lot is with respect to marketing systems, platforms, um, an endeavor that an agent may take on is what's the ROI? What's the return on investment? Okay. One thing I can say is when I hired curator, okay. And we started running Facebook ads, uh, you know, in, in a, in a meaningful way, right? We not just playing with it, right? Not just, you know, going into ads manager and kind of tooling around and trying to figure it out on our own. When we took a concerted effort with a consistent message and we boosted it out in front of our audience, I mean, within weeks, I had probably 10 clients reach out that needed service. They happened to be, and those curator uh, uh, clients along with myself will know what, what Chris means and what I mean when I talk about the magic million, but they were in my magic million audience. And, you know, it wasn't a direct response. It wasn't click here, register, call, get an appointment, go do a showing, write a contract. These were people that were already in my funnel, right? And when they saw the great content that I was putting out, they they essentially, and I hate to even use the word, but they converted themselves. They picked up the phone and said, hey, Jay, I've been seeing you everywhere. We need to list our house this spring. So, you know, that, that that's a testimonial for Curator, I will say. It's, it's just something that, that we've been able to employ in our business to really get our message out to our clients. But that's, that's just along those same lines. Make your product better. You know, if your product is service, then make your service better. Um, I, that, that, that's really, really insightful. Um, well, part of it though, is you have the right mindset. Like you have to look at your business. First of all, you can't track every click or every digital dot. A lot of people hate filling out forms. You're not going to be able to trace everything. You keep trying, but you can't, yeah. you know, like we, we used to track everything as closely as we could. And what we realized was one third of our business comes from our content online. One third of our business comes from our current customers sending us more business. And one third of our business comes from us going out there on the road at, at events. Right. And so, you know, we tracked it for so long. It is what it is. People yeah. try to track too much. They try to micro track. They try to track every penny and every click and every cost and every lead and every open and every click and every conversion and every text. And it's like, dude, get a life. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, like, no. That's... If your business is up and you feel good about the work you're doing, I call that G squared. Yeah. Your gut and your growth. Self-identify. Do I, do I feel good about the podcast? 44 weeks in, yes. Do I feel good about being a curator client? Yes. Okay, over the 12 months, 24 months, has my business grown? And that is important too. We're, we would never suggest that you should invest time into content or money into ads and not experience growth. Right. No. But if you try sometimes to add up one and one and get to two, you'll never get to 20. Yeah. Well, and, and frankly... You know, what I've seen, Chris, and this is kind of, you know, natural to us, it, my business has always been 75% repeat and referral. Always. You know, where I make my money, where I grow my team, where I've been able to bring on, you know, new to the industry agents and coach them into prosperity is when my 25% is bigger than everyone else's, right? Is I've been able to grow that segment of my business and leverage it out to team members who've been able to use that with great service to grow their businesses. So one thing we're doing this year, we call it the year of the client. We're throwing a client event per month for the entire year. 
and 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 you know my co-host here Mr. Pruitt is also a video production aficionado he's he's actually very adept at that so we're producing a video for every event that we use the tactics that you guys have taught us at curator through cabbing and you know email marketing to to deliver that content to our database which just brings them right back into our funnel right it it allows them to experience our great service all over again so I don't mean to sound like a commercial man, but I really do, you know, appreciate the effects of the teachings that you guys have given us in our business. And you're right that that G squared, that that you know, growth and gut, absolutely, our business has grown, absolutely. So, um, you know, yeah one one way to one way to think about it too that I, I think makes a ton of sense is the the idea that if you're top of newsfeed and you're top of inbox, you're top of mind. You know what I'm saying? Right. Top of mind. Or it was top of voicemail, top of mind. I just think right now, you know, if you can be in that news feed in a quality way, like I, I have a note, it's funny because I love that you guys are clients and I appreciate it and I appreciate plugging us. Like I have a note in my, uh, in my phone about a blog post I'm going to do and it's how to get a hundred percent good lead, Right. And it's something that nobody wants to hear. The, the, the only way to get what I would consider 100% good leads would be to do what we do at Curator, which is basically never force anyone to register ever. Huh. So like, I... if your content and your funnel and your trench and your brand and your stuff is, is so great. Nobody has to register. They'll go to the contact page. They'll go to check the availability. Like, I'm not saying we don't have funnels, we don't have landing pages, we don't build our email list. But what I'm getting at is that we don't have to. So we do not feel the need to make anyone register because that would be kind of chasing versus attracting. And we understand that we miss out on business because of that. But we're also... Like I said, if you're if you can be patient and if you are successful, take advantage of that. Yeah, that's a big deal. You know, be be willing to play the longer game. Why everybody else is throwing those right hooks? You're over here jabbing. You know what I mean, Gary V. Well, the more jabs, the the fewer hooks, right? The more jabs you throw, the fewer hooks you have to throw. But you know, it's funny that you brought that up. I ha- actually have it in my notes to bring up, and I and, and I, I thought we were probably going to run out of time, but you did it for me. Probably the first time I ever heard you speak on inbound marketing was at the re, at a Remax convention. I don't know if it was that first year or not, but you said something to the same effect. You know, turn off the registration on your website, right? Be you know while, while everybody is making everybody you know give them their blood type to get to see the <laughs> interior pictures, just turn it off. Be the contrarian. That's something that Gabe and I talk about a lot. We have a yep. list of words that we work into every episode. Contrarian is one of them. Um, but no, yeah. being con- yeah, that, that, that's what that's what your homepage should say. It should say, "You never have to. You, you you'll never have to register to use our site. Just call us when you're ready." You know what I mean? Like hmm. people appreciate that. You yeah. know, and and I think that um, ultimately, like there's there's a stat that I thought was crazy from uh, Move Inc. and Realtor.com, where in 2011 there were actually more homes sold than leads generated on the whole internet for realtors. But now there's like 80 to a hundred million leads versus 5 million homes sold. And that's because people are going to register on multiple sites. Here's here's why I wrote the conversion code. Because you can trick people into registering and you can buy leads, 
but you can't buy conversion. No. I don't hmm. care if you have book sound, commissions inc, curator, and you're a Zillow premier agent. If you can't convince me that you're great, I ain't signing shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. You, you, know can't, what I mean? you can't trick somebody into buying a house. It's just that what happens is the, the premium systems, let's call them, are pricey. Yeah. Yeah. So the people that are able to afford those are sort of naturally already a little better vetted and good at what they do. But like you cannot, and that's why it's so funny to me. Like, is there an ROI on curator? How could there not be if you've got your act together? Right. Like go from no systems to systems. If you go from no help with Facebook to a ton of help, if you go from a website where you're hidden and no one even knows it's yours and, there's nothing even meaningful about your company at all to one that actually people drool on when they look at because it looks so great. That's those are big deals. Like I, I, I think it's funny with when I look at you guys' website and we're going through a transition from you know kind of beautiful sites to sites you can beautify, uh, and there's there's a cost to that by the way. But when I look at the websites that our clients have. I feel like they look like a Silicon Valley, you know, Fortune 500 brand. Mm-hmm. And then I forget, because then I go on the road and I travel and I do my seminars and I see kind of what's still out there. And it's just like, man, pe- people wonder, like, is my website working? Forget that. You, most people need to figure out, I need my website to stop repelling business. <laughs> there are so many people listening still right now. And this is this is just a good like this is what I want Dustin to think about and you to think about, Jay, is like am I do I always look online a little more successful than we really are? You you shouldn't try to look way more successful than you are. Right. But man, if you don't look as successful as you are, like if I would go to your website and guess that you make 82 grand and you make $800,000. Like that should bother you every yeah. night as you fall asleep until you fix it. No bueno. And it does people. And it's crazy to me. No, absolutely, man. I, you know, that's, that, that, that's something. And I think, I think there is a little bit of that. You want to create, you know, that's brand building. That's, that's brand building, promotion, marketing. You absolutely want people to think you're going somewhere. Um, if if where you are is good enough, then I don't know. Those are not the type of people that inspire me in the services that I consume. You know, I, I you know. You mentioned Tom Ferry. You mentioned Tom Ferry earlier. Tom Ferry said something one time I thought was great. He said, "Just be the man your kids already think you are." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. And I think that's kind of applicable to this, like. Just look as good online as you are offline. Yeah. Like if I went and talked to 30 people and they would rave about you, just make 30 people in a row rave about your freaking website. Yeah. Not that different. Yeah, man. It's pretty simple, isn't it? It like, mm-hmm. you know, one of the hallmarks of our business is doing the simple things right consistently. And, and I think, I think it's fairly safe to say that having a website that creates the impression that you want to create amongst consumers 
is pretty simple these days, right? That's pretty simple. That's a requisite in the business, but certainly something you guys, a curator, help us do. Chris, man, I, uh, I think we're going to have to leave it there, brother, but I appreciate all of your time today and your insights. I think it was enormously helpful for our audience uh, to hear you know, the things that you guys do there at Curator, the things you do for small business and real estate professionals, um, and your history and kind of how you got in the business. Yeah. Appreciate your time today, man. Um, Chris Smith, once again from Curator. Thanks again, Chris. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a great day.